We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Say, uh, dirtbag. This is Kid Schreiner, the voice of the Green Arrow. And you are listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast. The original Justice League has become a memory. I am resigning from the Justice League. What's going to happen to the League now? We rebuild from the ashes of that great conflict. A new team has arisen. A much, much bigger team. Each of you brings something different to the table. Old friends, new heroes. And as usual, plenty of bad guys jumping up to get beat down. Calm down, and I'll let you go. How about you kiss my ass? Watch out, evildoers. There's nowhere to run. Because this year, they're all around you. The league is unlimited. All new original series, starring every superhero worth cheering for. And then some. Justice League Unlimited. Where am I exactly? Among friends. There's strength in numbers. Welcome, everybody, to episode 223 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me, my good friend, good brother, the man that runs our Twitter page, it's Liam. Liam, we are continuing in our Flash Month here for the month of August of 2022. Well, depending on when you're listening to this episode, I suppose it's still Flash Month regardless of what month or year it is but uh, we are excited to continue with our flash themed episodes and we are moving on from justice league as we've covered the last two weeks and uh, we are in an episode of justice league unlimited for this week of flash month that is right cal we just keep rolling right along and this is an episode that uh, kind of uh, actually kind of kicks off the the second season of Justice League Unlimited, uh, and uh, and yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and uh, it also happens to be a flash heavy episode. It's actually the first episode of the Justice League Unlimited series to feature the Flash in a speaking role, so it, it seemed appropriate for our themed month here. And yes, we are looking at the episode "The Ties That Bind" today. That is right, Liam. But before we get into our four categories and our breakdown of the entire plot of this week's episode, we will, of course, get the official IMDb synopsis for this week's episode, The the Ties That Bind, easy for me to say, Uh, originally aired back on the Cartoon Network here in the States on February the 12th. 2005 meaning we just passed uh, the 17 year anniversary of this episode's debut liam this of course is brought to you by the pod tower head over to youtube.com slash the pod tower and check out every other episode that we have reviewed thus far our bonus episodes and much more 
available on YouTube. It's youtube.com slash the pod tower. Subscribe there, help support our podcast. And not only will you support us, but you'll support some of our friends uh, over at the Watchtower database, as well as Tim Talk, as their content is also available at youtube.com slash the pod tower. That's right. And this is the uh, synopsis for The Ties That Bind, which is written by Jim Steranko and J.M. DeMatteis, directed by Dan Reba, with music by the Dynamic Music Partners and animation by DR Movie Co. And that synopsis reads as such. Mr. Miracle and Big Barda solicit Justice League assistance to free Oberon from Apocalypse. Jean refuses, but Flash decides to help out on his own. Mm, okay yeah that last that last sentence is a little messy but it's a pretty solid solid uh turn i'd say yeah it uh it gets the job done it's not the <laughs> not the prettiest but it uh you know it got us across the finish line there we go absolutely so uh breaking down our plot for this week we are uh, dropped straight in the middle with a trio of characters that if you are at all familiar with Jack Kirby's fourth world characters or perhaps uh, DC comics over the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years, you're probably familiar with Mr. Miracle is the way that he looks and uh, big Barda, not Bertha, big Barda, uh, <laughs> as well as their assistant Oberon. Uh, they, uh, they are preparing for what is Scott free, AKA Mr. Miracle's latest stunt. And uh, he is of course the world's greatest escape artist. So uh, he is, upping the ante a little bit as we see in the uh, in the opening scenes here as he's encasing himself in what appears to be sort of like a like a sarcophagus type uh, device freezing that and then um, uh, after freezing it having uh, having himself well he's locked inside of it by the way uh, in full costume frozen and then having a a locomotive air dropped on top of it so Things don't look good right off the bat for one Scott Free, but of course he's Mister Miracle. He, after the train is dropped, uh, after and a little bit of drama, we see that he has in fact escaped. Uh, as as he and Big Barda are celebrating, they turn to look for Oberon, and uh, wouldn't you know it, he's he's gone, and in his stead is one of my favorite characters in DCAU history. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a little bit here when we get into voice acting, but it is none other than the dastardly granny goodness who, in his stead, who is uh, very excitedly talking about how she has whisked Oberon away and is holding him hostage and is looking uh, in exchange to get some help. Granny goodness. I'll kill you, you demented old gargoyle! Barda, I'm not gonna let your temper cost us Oberon's life. I knew you wouldn't let her hurt your old granny, Scott. What do you want? Life on Apocalypse has become very difficult since great Darkseid vanished. Dear Granny has tried her best to bring order to our world. You mean you've been trying to take over? But there are others who seek to thwart Granny's good intentions. Thurman Bunderbar. That awful, awful man. Do you know that he's actually imprisoned Darkseid's son, poor dim-witted Calabac, in hopes of legitimizing his claim to the throne? Why, 
He's probably brainwashing the poor creature right now, bending him to his will. Like you're not planning the same thing. What do you want? No, it's nothing really. Granny just needs you to break into the place where Calabac is being held and then bring him to Granny's orphanage, where he can get proper care. If we do that, we'll be handing you control of Apocalypse. Exactly. And, uh, that's uh, that's where we get things started here as uh, she she very clearly lays out what has been happening on Apocalypse. We get a little bit of exposition happening uh, as we learn, of course, that there's a, a, a battle between her and Vermin Vundabar for the throne of Apocalypse. And in this power struggle, uh, one of the pawns being used is uh, another familiar face, that being Calabac. So uh, Vondabar has Calabac captured and is attempting to brainwash him uh, and then to uh, an attempt to use that as a way to legitimately claim the, the throne of Darkseid. And Granny wants... Uh, Calabac for her own personal use so that she can brainwash him and put him on her side and uh, she's enlisting the reason why she's gone after Oberon and gone through these lengths is she's looking to enlist Scott to rescue P Calabac from the X pit which is uh, Apocalypse Prison uh, that Scott is uh, famously the only person to have previously escaped out of and uh, and that's where we kind of get things going here as uh, as Granny departs uh, afterwards, and uh, Scott and Scott and Barda are sort of left holding the bag here to decide what they're going to do. And that's kind of where we get uh, them pick up in the the Watchtower after our our opening credits. That's right. We uh, we then go to the to the Watchtower as mentioned. We see the Flash and uh, elongated man sort of discussing their their plight as uh, feeling neither of them feel that they are taken seriously enough by the rest of the Justice League. And of course, the the joke being that they are quite immature as they're playing uh, what appears to be a takeoff on uh, Rock'em Sock'em robots and uh, arguing about that about that <laughs> game, but. Yeah, we, we see Flash notice that Mr. Miracle and Bart have arrived and we kind of overhear the tail end of their conversation with Jean as, as they're explaining to, uh, to Jean what the situation is. And, uh, and Jean is very clear that that makes no sense for the Justice League to intervene in this case because you know, uh, if, if either Granny or Vermin Vunderbar is able to, uh, to take hold of Apocalypse and, and unite a uh, uh the, the planet again under their reign and they could have uh you know another dark side on their hands another another uh, intergalactic despot ready to conquer the earth yet again so uh jean decides that the justice league is officially uh taking a, a neutral stance in this conflict despite the fact that without their actions uh, oberon will likely be killed by granny goodness uh, so at that moment, Flash is, is very taken aback by Jean's decisions, and he and, he and Jean kind of have a, a uh, discussion, a little bit of an argument over it, at which point uh, Flash takes off and decides that he's going to offer up his services to Barda and Mr. Miracle, uh, even though Jean has instructed uh, him not to get involved. We don't need these cowards. We can do it on our own. Great news, Bertha. You don't have to. Barda. Isn't that what I said? And we don't require your assistance. We appreciate the offer, Flash, but 
Unless you've got an S on your chest, you're useless. Hey, I may not be as strong as Superman, but I'm just as fast. Maybe faster. Friends? Maybe we can use you. And after a little bit of a, a prickly introduction for, uh, for Barda and Mr. Miracle and the Flash, they finally are able to sort of make peace and they decide that the three of them are going to head to Apocalypse to try to free Kyla back and save Oberon. And uh, then from there, we, uh, we pretty much spend the rest of the episode on Apocalypse as we, uh, we arrive there and we're immediately greeted by some, uh, some uh, various, uh, we get a lot of like deeper cuts Mm-hmm. fourth world uh, apocalypse minions we get the hellhounds here attacking we get uh, get some of the wacky kirby robots and stuff like that later on in the episode as well but yes they're sort of immediately sprung into action and uh, they're sort of making their way through the city and right as they make it to these uh, these ominous x pits and they they open the door uh, uh, mr miracle's sort of taken aback because uh, since he was last there when he escaped uh, everything has sort of changed uh, design-wise. They did some remodeling, and uh, <laughs> and by uh, and so Mr. Miracle is now not so sure what to do. He he offers to go in by himself to try to free Calabac and to leave Barda and Flash outside, but Barda and Flash make it clear that they are not interested in sitting on the sidelines for this one, and so they uh, they go off in search of. Calabac and uh, and Barda and and Mr. Miracle take down some uh, some robots while uh, the Flash goes in search of uh, of Calabac himself and uh, is able to find him and uh, so we have the, the this group of four unlikely allies perhaps all united and now that's really only the the first half of our episode the second half of our episode is uh, of course. The, uh, the four now must escape this incredibly dangerous prison. At the same time, we have these, uh, we are, we're also getting at the same time, we're getting a couple of little brief flashbacks to, uh, to Scott Free as a, as a child when he was looking to escape uh, the x and just constantly being taunted by Granny at the same time. So you have Mr. Miracle kind of facing his fears at, and at the same time, all, all four trying to stay alive as we, as we head towards the final act of the episode. That's right. Uh, so as you mentioned, that is, that is the culmination of the episode is uh, Scott free and, and big Barda and, and, uh, and, and the flash and uh, Calabac, uh, all willing, willing allies at this point, attempting to escape. And uh, the, the flashbacks are kind of the real highlights here as we truly see some of the, the backstory and we kind of fill in the blanks about just what made Mr. Miracle Mr. Miracle as he learned how to escape and, and, uh, and the many times he did try to escape and fail and uh, how the tortures that Granny did to him kept him going and uh, continues even to this day to, to be a motivation to him. So um, as, as they escape and he actually escapes a couple of, of death traps that Wunderbar has set up, uh, the prison uh, eventually uh, is, is set up to explode. Uh, Wunderbar decides that even though they escaped, they escaped his death traps, that uh, he's just going to blow it all up. There's only one way to stop them now. Blow up the entire complex! <laughs> Not liking the sound of that. Five, four, three, two, one. 
brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Scott, you didn't let Granny down. When I heard the expert had been destroyed, I thought for certain you and dear Kalanak were lost. How did you manage to get out? Ask him. Trade secret. Uh, so he does set it, set it up to explode, uh, but uh, it turns out that's, that uh, that Mr. Miracle, Barda, Flash, and Kalabek were able to successfully emerge uh, from a boom tube. They were able to boom out before the explosion occurred. Uh, Granny is, is seemingly very excited and happy and congratulates Scott on his success. Uh, but tells him that uh, even though that they were able to uh, to escape with Kalabak in tow, she's still planning on teaching a lesson to Oberon since uh, since they were also very rude to her. Uh, at which point, uh, Kalabak uh, re- turns out to to not be Kalabak at this point. We have uh, the Flash. Uh, asking her where he's keeping her, and she said she'll you'll never find out. He the Flash turns to Calabac, who morphs into Jean at this point, and uh, and chides her not to try not thinking about where she has Oberon. Uh, they find out uh, that she's holding him in Darkseid's old uh, old throne room, and they're able to save him just in the nick of the time before the Death Trap slices him into several pieces. So um, it's at this point that we get a, a at least everybody saved and Oberon is reunited with with Scott and Barda. Uh, Barda makes it very clear at this point that she wants to take out Granny and to to destroy her but uh, but she is reminded by uh, by Jean that unfortunately that the fighting there must continue and that uh, they can't be involved into who uh, who ultimately gets the upper hand there so uh, they begin walking away uh, the Flash and and Mr. Miracle and uh, it, just before booming off of Apocalypse, uh, Big Barda does turn back around and happen to plant a, a rather large fist on Granny's chin, uh, sucker punching her right before before leaving, uh, just as a thank you uh, for for helping out uh, not only not only uh, her but and, and Mr. Miracle but Oberon, and that leads us to uh, to Miss uh, to to Granny sort of wondering what went wrong with how she. Uh, how she raised Scott and how uh, how she failed, how he was the only one that failed uh, that she's failed since uh, since attempting to raise some children. So uh, gotta gotta love that. So they they leave on the boom tube and we're we're back at the watchtower for the final scene as Flash and John uh, are sort of in this conversation. And before John can even begin speaking, the Flash cuts him off and lets him know that. You know, he's going to defend his actions, that they ultimately were the right things. And he may have disobeyed John, but everything worked out. And, uh, you know, 
it actually worked out for the better because they were able to get Kala back off of Apocalypse in time. And now he's in prison on Earth. So they're keeping him safely there away from from uh, anyone on Apocalypse to use as a pawn. And uh, John, John stops him at that point and says that uh, he wasn't going to lecture him. He just wanted to challenge him to a friendly game of brawling bots, uh, which catches the flash off guard for a second. But then uh, he hurriedly uh, runs to get the the brawl and bots game before claiming that he's going to be the green one uh which we learned early in the episode may have longer arms than the other <laughs> bots as uh as, as the elongated man protested so uh jean chuckles and says that he wanted to be the green one and then we kind of get a fade to credits at that point flash yeah i know i know i went behind your back but look how everything turned out. We boomed back here for you, the switch went off perfectly, and now we've got Calabac locked up on Earth where neither side can use him. You don't? So yeah, I did go behind your back, but you know what? I'd do it again. What do you say to that big guy? I was only going to ask if you wanted to play Brawlin' Bots. Dibs on the green one. I wanted the green one. So, uh, yeah, Liam, this one is a uh, it's a 22 minute episode, which is uh, it's, it's a nice break from the, the past couple of weeks that we've had, uh, the, you know, the these double features and two parters. So mm-hmm. it did feel like an accelerated version, uh, pun intended, I guess, since we're here in Flash Flash Month. But it felt like an accelerated episode. It felt like a lot jam packed uh, into 22 minutes. Um, it felt I don't know. I, I, I don't necessarily know that that helped it because it felt like maybe this was a something that they had planned for season one at one point or, uh, you know, perhaps, you know, had thought about having as a two parter. But uh, you get a lot of the, the, the Mr. Miracle backstory, which is fine, but it really doesn't go anywhere else for the rest of the, the series. We don't get uh, a huge follow up episode or anything like that. So we get the background of DCAU. Mr. Miracle, but it doesn't, it didn't feel like that, that whole thing paid off too, too much because yes, he escapes and uses as motivation, but it wasn't as if he was struggling at the beginning of the episode. He's just, you just kind of learn about who he is um, and, and how he was, how he was born, you know, raised and and went through the trials with granny goodness as a child. So um, it's a fine episode, I feel like, but it did feel like a lot of time was spent on giving you that backstory only mm-hmm. for the the payoff n- not to feel necessarily a hundred percent related to me. I don't I don't know if you felt the same way or if you had other observations, but what did you think? Yeah, well, it's funny because that the the interesting yeah the the, the episode itself a lot of the runtime is devoted to Barda and Flash and Calabac fighting robots. Um, so the 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 big plot things are one, it's Flash going against. Uh, uh, what John suggests that the, the league should do. He's theoretically, you know, could be setting off like a, an intergalactic incident here by getting involved. Um, but because we sort of choose to focus more in the middle of the episode on, uh, on Mr. Miracle and Barda, which I think they're enjoyable characters. And we'll certainly talk about that more in, in voice acting a little bit. And it's, they, you know, they have a good dynamic together. They, uh, the, the little bit we see of them interacting with Oberon is fun. And like you do care if they're if they're successful or not, if they're able to to save Oberon in time and all of that. But at the same time, 
yeah, it felt like the, the episodes kind of bookended with this uh, Flash and, and, and Martian Manhunter butting heads over whether or not to intervene and, and all of that. And, you know, what, it, what exactly, you know, is, is the mission statement of the Justice League? Are they all about, if they're all about helping people, why are they not getting involved here when an innocent person is at stake and, and all that? Like, it's, it's an interesting concept, but it's kind of just these two little bookend scenes at the beginning and the end of the episode. And in the middle, it's fighting robots and, and Mr. Miracle flashbacks. So I don't know, maybe, maybe you, you could have had like a secondary objective because you know they, they make mention that like the boom tubes don't work uh inside the the x pits because of some technology that the vermin Thunderbar has mm-hmm. so maybe you could have done like okay we free calabac now we have to make it to this control room and turn off the the boom tube thing or whatever and and the, and and then it's like a race to see if they can get to the you know to this this one room before the death traps get them or whatever. I just, yeah, it felt, it just felt like there wasn't enough. It feels like if it was going to be the, the Mr. Miracle episode, it should have just almost wholly focused on him and flash should have taken more of a backseat. Or if it was going to be about flash and, and him sort of striking out on his own and, and making decisions for himself and, and sort of being proven right in the end that, you know, anytime you could help somebody and you choose not to, that's the wrong decision. And so he makes the right decision by, by going with, with Barda and Mr. Miracle to save the day, even though it looks like it could end up being a, a really hairy situation. Like all of those little individual pieces could be an interesting episode, mm-hmm. but when you just kind of mush them together, I feel like, yeah, I feel like it doesn't quite add up to a, completely satisfying uh 22 minutes which again to your point cal it could be that maybe if we had two parts to this episode Mm -hmm. then you would have more time because you know the the mr miracle stuff could kind of be your your b plot and the flash plot is your a plot or vice versa and then you have more time maybe you can even work in a little bit of like you know mr miracle we we just we see the last flashback we see is is scott just escaping the x pit we don't really see anything after that like if you had more time maybe you could show him then meeting oberon and meeting barda and convincing barda to break free of granny's control we kind of get some some exposition about that that you know that barda was once part of the furies and all of that which again if you're a big comic book fan you you might know that story but as as in in this show you just kind of get it for a couple seconds here so yeah i think i think there's a bunch of interesting little ideas in here but it doesn't doesn't quite all come together for my taste uh so i ended up kind of on a on a middle middle of the road or or slightly i guess slightly better than middle of the road i I gave it a six out of ten for my for my plot score yeah, I actually had the same exact score for that, and and for those reasons, it it feels like there's parts of of a great episode here, parts of something very interesting, but I think mishmashing them together, and you mentioned at the top we had two different writers, so you know I I don't know which parts uh, were handled by which writer, if there was an, a a basis for this, um, I didn't see anything that said that there was an original comic that. Uh, any of this other than the i guess the source material but there was nothing that was necessarily this wasn't um based on a, a particular issue of a comic so um you know i i don't know how much of that is two writers coming together to to marry an idea together or two ideas together um but it did feel like you said just a little bit a little bit uh not disjointed it's not the, quite the right word it's just 
kind of a, a mashup that didn't quite lead to a very satisfying 22 minutes. Um, it just, there's stuff that felt like it was, it was left undone or, you know, kind of let, leaves you scratching your head as to why the focus was uh, so much on the, on the scot-free stuff at the beginning um, and why maybe some of the repercussions, as you mentioned, of the Flash's choices weren't necessarily uh, played out later on. As you mentioned at the top, also, this is the first speaking role that we get for the Flash um, in many episodes, or the 13, 14 episodes in that first season mm -hmm. of Justice League Unlimited. So, um, you know, this is the this is the 15th episode or 14th episode we've had of this show at this point. And it's the first Flash one. And we we don't really get an explanation why he wasn't around much in the first season or why he wasn't the main focus, um, which is OK. You didn't have to have an on screen version of that. But to then just drop this in the middle of it and kind of make this the the opening opening go for him does feel feel a little bit strange so yeah i think that's reflected in both of our scores it's not it's not a bad episode there's a lot of fun um in the the sort of breaking breaking into the death star type uh type uh, storyline that we mm -hmm. have here with them and um i think maybe some more exploration either a focus on the X pit itself and some of the ins and outs of it could have uh, made for maybe just a little bit more entertainment or focusing on some of the psychological aspects uh, or deeper into the psychological aspects of some of the characters uh, that were dealing with sort of the PTSD beyond just these flashbacks uh, could have added uh, you know, to, the, to a deeper, deeper story for, for everybody. So uh, definitely reflected in our scores. All right, Liam. Well, that will bring us to our next category, which is going to be visuals and animation. As you mentioned at the top, DR Movie Co. responsible for the animation. Dan Reba was our director for this week. Uh, what did you have as far as as, uh, as animation and visuals? We did talk at the top about some of those deeper cuts, those deeper Kirby cuts on some of those characters and character designs. But uh, what else stood out for you as far as visuals for this week's episode? Yeah, I think first and foremost, uh... I uh, I really enjoyed the uh, just we we talked about this with a lot of the Kirby characters, but because uh, you know because Bruce Tim and and the rest of the people that worked on these shows were so inspired by Jack Kirby, it's these these Kirby designs always translate so well into these this universe. Mm -hmm. And so I mean, obviously, this is not well timeline wise this would be our first full look at, at big barda although obviously in the in the real world timeline she had previously already appeared in an episode of batman beyond um but it's it's kind of fun to get her 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 in the in the fold i, I really love i've always just loved that that barda designed the blue suit with the the gold like headpiece and all that all that i think is great and it's a the the suit up sequence when she's going into battle is kind of fun um so I really, I really loved the designs, the way uh, it's not really cape movement, but there's a couple of the, 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 he has, Mr. Miracle just has this giant cape. He has this big, he has like the Dr. Strange cape, I guess. Uh huh. He's just the big giant collar and the, uh, and the green uh, and, and with the, with the green, it's, it's not really a color scheme that should even work, but somehow it does with the green cape and the red and yellow suit um, so I, I thought the uh, the translation of these these new Kirby characters, uh, uh, at least new to the to the DCAU uh, on, on screen, at least I think was uh, was a lot of fun to see. So uh, the that that was a lot of fun. Some of the way they they 
you get the 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 classic Mr. Miracle uh, floating disc things that he flies on. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, and uh, you know, Bar- Barda has her her cosmic staff or and and all of that. So yeah, you have you have a lot of that what you would expect, the Kirby accoutrements that come with that, the the backgrounds and designs. We're, we see probably more of apocalypse than we've ever seen before because we've really only seen to this point, we've seen the you know, Dark Side's palace and the big statue and some fire pits, but it was kind of fun seeing the actual like architecture of that world uh, laid out a little bit more. Um, and I thought the the backgrounds in the, in the prison were really fun. There's a couple of really neat uh, silhouette shots done. Mm. It'll be uh, all, yeah, I think once all four are together, either them running or even them just sort of standing there discussing something and it'll just be all four of them in, in silhouette against this sort of red uh, intricate uh, background there with the with the, the really wacky Kirby designs on it so I think there's a lot of fun like aesthetic stuff in this when and which is usually the case when they're adapting the uh, the Kirby stuff to the DCAU absolutely yeah we get uh, as you mentioned excuse me, having, uh, having, uh, both Oberon and, um, and, and, uh, uh Vermin Vundabar, uh, introduced here as well. We get some uh, additional of those sort of outlier, uh, Kirby characters, uh, introduced also that, uh, stay pretty true to their original designs. Uh, Scott, the Scott free design, especially with the, the way that his eyes, they colored his eyes, the stark blue color, uh, that you can see the irises. It, I mean, it looks like, I mean, you mentioned at the top, these characters fit seamlessly into this DCAU, but that, uh, that, that Mr. Miracle character design for this episode is equal parts Bruce Tim and Jack Kirby. Like it's just, it looked, either one of those artists could have drawn that and it looks like that that character model come to life um so remaining faithful to the way that these these characters originally looked and incorporating so many of the jack kirby designs and the crackle as you mentioned and you know the different uh, sci-fi designs on the different uh, different costumes the circles with the the lines connecting things everywhere and um i loved the uh i loved the flashbacks the way that they chose to do the flashbacks we've seen that handled differently there's always a different uh, a coloration to the to the scene to indicate you know a, a flashback mm-hmm. a lot of times we see sepia tones a lot of times we see you know a, a gray tone or or like i said a sepia tone um here we get uh we get a, a flat the flashbacks completely in blue which i thought was a was certainly different uh for the the apocalyptian world that we're used to it's usually those dark reds and those mm-hmm. deep 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 black colors with uh with a darker darker red uh, on top of them but we here here we have these stark blue colors that again not only let you know that it's a flashback but make everything else in the um in the scene sort of stand out as i don't know i just got this panicked feeling from everything in those and it's it adds to that the tension that's created in the scene because you know scott's being tortured by granny as a child or you know he's being forced in this situation where it feels like there's no escape and until ult- so ultimately he snaps and makes his escape from the x pit as a child so um, i like that they differentiated those flashbacks and they're different than other flashbacks that we've seen uh in prior dcau episodes but um yeah i i, I agree with you i think 
for the most part, this episode seems like it flows well. Um, you know, Cowabac looked to be on, on model. Everybody else looked to be on model. It's fun seeing some of these additional characters that we hadn't seen before. And uh, as you mentioned, some of the deeper apocalyptic cuts. Um, so yeah, overall, I think this is a fun episode. There's some, some great visuals from the flash. We do see some of his, uh, his powers at work. We get him, uh, running down a, a flight of stairs and we kind of, kind of get this over overhead view of him running down several flights of stairs and you just kind of see him run around these rectangular shapes as you see him descending deeper and deeper into the X pit as he tries to find mm-hmm. a Calabac. Uh, we see as they're making their escape, there's uh, one one trap they come upon. It's this wall of fire, and he does the classic tornado spin in order to uh, to sort of take hold of the fire and launch it ahead of him to break through a wall. Um, I thought that was a that was a neat manifestation of of that power and something that we hadn't necessarily seen as far as the fire is concerned. Uh, before so I, I enjoyed that uh the the escape uh the escape at the beginning for scott free they felt like they just kept adding things onto it to see how ridiculous it could be for his escape uh you know it's not not good enough that he's just chained to these tracks he's then contained in a, a sarcophagus and then there's a lid put on top of the sarcophagus and then it's frozen and then they drop a train out of the sky on top of him you know it's <laughs> how ridiculous can we get here so uh, yeah, lots, lots of fun little things, uh, to, and and to 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 kind of wrap things up with a little smirk from from Jean as uh, he kind of gives Flash an attaboy uh, before we roll the credits and they they make the joke about the battle bots. I thought was was uh, was a fun way to end the episode. Also, so overall, uh, I didn't think there was necessarily one specific thing other than the flashbacks that stood out, but uh, I think it's fun. I ended up giving visuals and animation a seven out of ten. What about you? Yeah, I give it the exact same score. Um, yeah, I think there's fun. I did. Uh, I do agree that the the blue filter over the uh, the the flashbacks was a was an interesting choice, um, and and sort of sets it apart from the 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 usual flashback look that we might get in an episode of one of these shows. Um, and yeah, I, I like the uh, the again all the uh, the apocalyptic in weaponry and things like that. Mister Miracle not only flying on those hover discs, but like using them as weapons. At the where he like kicks kicks them off his feet and they go and knock off the uh, the the uh, cannons on the wall. I thought it was pretty pretty neat. And then the spot where Barda and and Flash and Calabac are all sort of fall through the trap door. And then they we just all of a sudden see the two discs floating in the air and, and Barda kind of lands on them and grabs grabs Flash and, and Calabac in one swoop. And then uh, we, we see uh, Mr. Miracle kind of just lounging uh, on the side of the wall there. So uh, yeah, there's some really cool, uh, fun stuff in there. So uh, yeah, not uh, maybe not, uh, not a complete home run, but uh, a lot of good stuff to be sound here. I think, again, especially I think from a design standpoint and then clearly the background artists really went above and beyond with uh, some of the more intricate stuff we saw this week. Absolutely. All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be music. As you mentioned at the top, uh, I believe this is credited to the Dynamic Music Partners for mm-hmm. this week. 
we are, of course, returning to uh, Justice League Unlimited, so we get a lot of electric guitar in the background here as we have advanced to that point in our uh, DCAU timeline where electric guitar tends to be used a little bit more. And uh, it's uh, there's no shortage of it, it feels like, in this episode as we sort of get our own uh, Mr. Miracle scot-free theme uh, that plays uh, sort of beginning in that opening scene and then uh, as they're escaping, entering into the X-Pit and then escaping the X-Pit, uh, we get a couple of instances where there's a Mr. Miracle theme played. Uh, but uh, I, the, the rest of the episode, I feel like, has some some decent background music and some things uh, where the music was uh, was was called to play uh, some some mood setting. But uh, the, the Mr. Miracle theme was the one that stood out for me at not immediately memorable but something you could tell that was set aside as okay this is this character's theme here um any notes for you on the uh, on the episode as a whole yeah other than the mr miracle theme i didn't have much we are of course back in in jlu so a lot of the action sequences are, are punctuated more with the electric guitars and and rock music more so than the than the synthesizer and stuff although i think maybe that's why the the mr miracle theme that uh, that plays like i said i think my favorite uh, version of that it plays a few times throughout the episode but i think that moment that we we just kind of talked about where where the they fall through the trap door and then you know it's kind of very dramatic and then they sort of just see you kind of look at they kind of give you this this close-up shot of barda and then she you kind of notice that she notices the 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 floating uh, hover discs there and and then the, the theme kind of plays as as she lands on them and then you you do the pan over to him there and and then you hear it play up played up more heroically and in, in his action beats and things like that when he's uh and then and as well in the flashbacks when he's makes his dramatic escape from uh from granny at the end there so yeah other than that i don't i don't have a ton of notes um but i do i do as as we often talk about it's always great when there's a a unique character theme especially for a character in this case that doesn't really have another appearance in this series at least mr miracle doesn't so it's fun that they uh they worked in a little bit of a memorable kind of original music for him there so uh, i ended up settling on a six out of ten for my music score <laughs> and we are three for three thus far. So uh, yes, I also gave it a six out of 10. Uh, not as uh, easily or, or hummable or memorable as uh, last week's theme was, but uh, certainly some standout points here, Liam, uh, especially for an episode, as you mentioned, with a character that uh, gets a theme that is, uh, is one and done, as they say. So all right, Liam, let's move on to our final category for this week, which is going to be voice acting. Uh, lots of, uh, not a, actually, not a huge cast, but uh, lots of memorable voices and a lot that we're familiar with from prior appearances in the DCAU and a couple of other notable names here. Let's talk about this week's voice cast. That's right. So uh, first we have uh, Art Johnson, or maybe Artie Johnson, as, uh, as Vermin Vandabar. Um, who's, he's doing a very stereotypical, uh, you know, evil, evil German voice, mm -hmm. um, which, uh, and, and in fact, Mr. Johnson actually played uh, apparently on a, on a show called Laugh-In, which is way before our time. And, uh, and unlike things like the Adam West Batman show or, or Green Hornet or things like that, that one didn't get played in reruns. So 
no idea what that was about, but apparently it was a cultural. I do know that it was a cultural. It was one of those things. It was like a cultural iconic show. I think mm-hmm. it was SNL before SNL, like a lot less political, sort mm-hmm. of like a variety show. I only know that uh, I, I think before he was president, Richard Nixon had appeared on that show at some point um, mm-hmm. famously. And there's there's a lot of stuff that sort of has seeped into the the uh, the pop culture or that f- for a period of time had seeped into pop culture uh, that was rooted in the the laugh in thing. So it was big. It was big for our our grandparents and and our parents likely uh, would probably be familiar with some of the the stuff. But yes, it it has it it, it probably has not been relevant for <laughs> mm, the the thirty years or so. Yeah, but uh, that would be the uh, the reason to cast him, and it's. I just love, and we'll get to this in a minute with Oberon, that Apocalypse has like regional dialects <laughs> that apparently are, are pretty similar to uh, Earth's regional dialects because yeah, he's just he's just a stereotypical German. And if we didn't if we didn't really talk about his character design, he's just this like short oafish man in like a red and white gener- you know general's outfit with like a star on his chest and a little monocle, and he's just you know, t- you know, t- he doesn't have a mustache, but if he did, he'd be twirling it. He's just this complete, like, silly, like, uh, Saturday morning cartoon villain here. And, uh, and they, and for, for that role, uh, he, he does a great job at it. That's right. Yeah, I, I think they even snuck in some of his more or a, a similar line I was reading to uh, one of his more famous laugh-in lines. Um, also, of course, it's it's not not lost that the one of the villains uh, of the apocalyptian uh, uh, planet has uh, German roots, which of course would be very very familiar uh, to, uh, to to Jack Kirby and and uh, a lot of the the comic mm-hmm. creators at that time. You know, making making Nazi german-esque caricatures the the evil bad guys uh was mm-hmm. was uh was some of their uh some of their ways of, of striking out against evil so yeah that, i think it's it fits perfectly there and and uh and makes sense and and is it was a good casting uh even if it it's kind of lost on us the casting that uh to likely to Bruce Tim, Paul, uh, Paul Dini, the, you know, Dan Reba, the guys who grew up in this era of, of, of knowing what a, a cultural impact that Laugh-In was to have this character who was famous for playing like this German caricature on that show, come back and play a German caricature is, is, uh, is just another example of one of those kind of, if you know, you know things. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he does a great job for what's asked of him. Um... Elsewhere in the cast, we have a, briefly, we have the returning Jeremy Piven. Yes, that Jeremy Piven <laughs> as Elongated Man. Uh, he just gets the one scene this week. But again, I, it's such a random thing because this is like, okay, this, this air, uh, I forget, uh, forget what you said the, the air date was. This is 05? Yes, 2005. Okay, so it's like, this is like Entourage is on the air by this point, right? Yeah, it has to be, right? Even yeah. early on. Right. So it's just like, this is like, you're not getting like pre-fame <laughs> Jeremy right. Piven. You're getting like on a very popular HBO show, Jeremy Piven. And he's just, he's just in it for a scene and, and uh, has a really funny interaction with, uh, with Michael Rosenbaum as The Flash and, and then he's out. But it's always kind of wacky to see uh, an actor. Uh, and, we, and again, we're, uh, Andre Armano not above uh, calling in a, 
a name actor to play kind of a, a bit part here and there across her, uh, these various shows, as, as we well know. Could it hurt them to show me just a little respect? Tell me about it. I've been at this longer than you have. They still treat me like comic relief. Better than being treated like a teenage sidekick. I mean, I was one of the original seven. Tell me the truth, Ralph. Do I seem immature to you? Not in the least. Ah, I bopped your block off. That's, that's not fair. The green guy's arms are longer. Are not. Hey, isn't that Mr. Miracle and what's her name? Big Bertha? I didn't even know they were in the league. But there's so many of us now, it's hard to... No, they're not in the league. I'm sure Love of it. it. Funny to hear him there as well. Uh, elsewhere in the cast, we do have uh, Dick Miller as uh, as Oberon, someone uh, one of those character actors, done a lot of voice acting, had sort of small roles in things like the Terminator and uh, and Gremlins. But uh, playing Oberon again, as I talked about regional accents, <laughs> he's just uh, you know he's just like uh, you know an old uh, an old New Yorker, like he's just a kid from Brooklyn. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and he's just uh, and I, I wonder if that if the idea there was uh, even though. Obviously, famously, uh, Dan Turpin, uh, the character design was based on uh, on 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 Kirby. Yeah, I wonder if that's there's a little bit of that of, uh, of uh, the tough guy from Brooklyn with the <laughs> little rough around the edges, but has a heart of gold. Like I think there's a little bit of a little bit of Kirby tribute in there as as well, and uh, and uh, and, a, and a really fun job. Like he's not a big part of the episode, but uh, his interactions with uh, with with uh, Granny, who we'll certainly get to in a moment here, and then with uh, with uh with barda and uh and mr miracle are, are a lot of fun yeah i agree yeah that i think they're the 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 casting for this one was was great i think that uh that uh that you know we sing her praises on a weekly basis but uh it's it's hard for it's it's hard to to remember mrs she's definitely batted uh you know close to a thousand maybe not a thousand but you know close to 750 likely uh but uh, andrea romano rarely misses with these and even with these these characters that only appear once uh even though they you may not mem- remember them as much because they don't have as many appearances i feel like it's almost harder because you want to make sure that whoever it is they get cast in these these uh these these one and done positions are good enough to remember that hey these those performances are iconic. They're really, really good because you only mm-hmm. get one shot. So if you, you know, if you were to miss and, and cast somebody maybe in the wrong, wrong role, then uh, it would be memorable for the wrong reason. So yeah, I, I think that uh, he does a great job and, and the interactions that we get with those three characters, especially when they're reunited at the end uh, is, uh, is very sweet and warm and feels very natural. Absolutely. And also on our cast, we do have the returning Michael Dorn as Calabac. And uh, it's great to have him back. I do think Calabac is not, uh, he's too competent in this episode for my taste. Yeah, he does. I wanted him to fall for the cake. That was, that yes. Was, <laughs> if this, this should be the dummy Calabac that is always screwing things up, that hasn't learned anything. And if Darkseid was still alive, would still, you know, get Darkseid's ire up at him at just how how idiotic and disappointing he is as a child yes but that's uh obviously that's not mr uh it's not mr dorn's fault but uh, yeah it's nice to have Kyle back back in it but i yeah i i always think that the the strength of that character in this in this universe is definitely his more uh comedic chops uh as it were there so uh he does get a little bit though to play off with uh a couple of our our main voice actors here that we'll get to in a moment but uh Last, as far as our, our villainous guest stars, we, of course, have the 
the uh, late great Ed Asner as uh, as Granny Goodness here, who we've we've sung the praises on for years. We tried desperately to get him cast as Granny Goodness in, in the uh, ill-fated live-action New Gods movie uh-huh. uh, before before his passing. Uh, but uh, but yes, just the just wonderful. Uh, you know it's like putting on a nice warm sweater when you hear at asner's granny goodness uh waltz back into our into our lives this week exactly but if you find that prospect distasteful wait till you see what oberon looks like when i send him back to you piece by piece where is calabac on apocalypse of course in the x-pit why you're not afraid of the pit, are you, Scott? No, I'm not afraid. Yeah, God rest his soul. Uh, man, what a what a tremendous performance and, and great legacy for a man that had many legendary performances across his time his many many years in hollywood but uh boy this this performance uh, will forever be my favorite performance of his and uh, not this episode necessarily but uh n- noticing just how he relished in in being able to to deliver the lines and every time he refers to himself which is anytime he re- talks about himself in the third person i never understood <laughs> I, I never noticed i feel like before this episode it's like wait a minute granny always refers to herself as the third person as granny why have i never known like i know the lines but like i never noticed that that was a character thing she refers to herself as granny uh but yeah just another another knockdown drag out performance whether it's at the beginning and taunting uh scott and 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 barda about uh, capturing oberon or at the end where she's you know stroking her chin and trying to where did it all go wrong with with raising scott uh right before she gets uh, smashed in the chin by barda but uh yeah uh we've talked about it each and every time that he's on the on the show and man what a what a fun fun uh revisitation for this character as we hear uh here at asner bring it home once again as as granny here with another shining performance Absolutely. It was uh, just a joy to have uh, Mr. Asner back in, in that role this week and playing off our, our two main uh, heroic guest stars of the episode. We have uh, first Farrah Fork uh, returning, actually, as, as previously mentioned, she, of course, played Big Barda on Batman Beyond in the, the memorable episodes The Call, which we have not gotten to yet in our Batman Beyond reviews, but it's a uh, it's fast approaching, believe it or not. We got we we don't got that much beyond left as far as uh, original episode reviews left, and uh, that that season three episodes uh, looming large. But uh, uh, yeah, having her back here as Barda, who again, folks would probably otherwise know from her role on the the show Wings, um, who where she worked with Tim Daly. So ah, there you go. Uh, six so degrees of DCAU separation. There we absolutely. Uh, and sadly, she's also passed away um, of cancer, actually, back in the uh, the early 2010s, I believe. But uh, but yeah, so I think she's just fantastic as Barda. Like you have that she has that very dry sort of sarcastic uh, thing about her when she's interacting with Oberon and and Scott at the start of the episode. And then she's just she's just ready to fly off the handle at the slightest inconvenience, whether that's Martian Manhunter 
turning down their pleas for help or, or the flash getting her name wrong or, uh, or some of the interactions she has with, uh, with Michael Dorn as Calabac is actually one of, I think my favorite bits of the episode where, where, uh, where Calabac tries to get under her skin and, uh, and she's just ready to launch right into a battle with him. And then flash kind of has to step between them. I think that's, that's a lot of fun as well. So I think she's just a, she's a tremendous part. I thought. Yeah, she fits the character well. And it's it's interesting. I was thinking as I was listening to it, she had to do something to separate her performance from Wonder Woman because you have mm-hmm. such a such a stoic, strong female voice as Susan Eisenberg provides for Wonder Woman. And granted, uh, Miss Fork's performance technically came first because her her performance from Barda in, in Batman Beyond uh, was was done before Justice League ever came along. But uh, in as far as, as this is concerned, being in this series and performing this character in this series, you have to do something where it doesn't just sound like a, a Susan Eisenberg clone. And I felt like she came across as a very strong uh, female character without just sounding like she was doing a doing a, a Susan Eisenberg impersonation. She made it her mm-hmm. own. There was enough of a warmth in her interactions with uh, with Scott, where it, you know there, you could feel genuine love and and care for for Mister Miracle as as her husband. Um, but uh, the the rage and the anger that came out uh, when she was interacting with Granny and the annoyance and the you know the desire to to beat granny's face in or the frustration <laughs> that she had when, when John initially turns them down and tells them that the league can't help them um, is, is, is palpable. It's, it's, it's done really, really well. And uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a, certainly a shame that, uh, that, that we, we won't have the opportunity to hear her uh, reprise this role ever again, but certainly uh, I think her leaving a, a, a long lasting, uh, 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 you know, performance here that uh, is easily memorable uh, and like I said, it, it comes across as exactly what this character embodies, which is a, a character that could kick your ass at any, at any <laughs> point, um, but still cares about those that, uh, that, she care, that, that are in her life and that she, she clearly has close relationships with. So yeah, a very strong performance from her. Yeah, I really love that interaction that she has with, uh, with Oberon at the end there when when she's she's at first kind of seemingly giving him a giving him a hard time and then they kind of have this nice moment where they where the where they share an embrace and and she and uh and uh, as well as Mr. Miller as as Oberon there I thought had a great great little rapport there and speaking of uh her allies in this episode we have uh Ewan Gruffid as Mr. Miracle um who folks would best know as uh mr fantastic another he only plays superheroes with the first name mr um <laughs> but yes in the in the the 2000s uh well they happened like i don't have a, i don't know if anyone has strong opinions about those fantastic four live action movies i don't think they're generally loved i'll say that <laughs> yes they they existed they the first one made an, an enormous amount of money yep. and, and then there was a second one as well so <laughs> That had, yes, the surfer, that had the silver surfer in it that's right yeah um but yeah him as mr miracle it is one of those things where if you know it's him he's kind of just doing he's a i believe a, a british actor and so he's uh he's doing uh that voice as uh, as mr miracle he's doing his his reed richards american accent as uh, as as mr miracle so if you know it's him it might be a little bit distracting to you if you 
uh, like like I did, watched watched those movies about fifteen times when you were twelve years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I mean, I think he does a I think he does a good job um, as as this character. Uh, we don't really get to see maybe a great range of emotion in his performance because the flashbacks are are not him. It's actually a uh, another actor, a, a younger uh, child actor. The the young Scott Free is is played by a, a child actor named Zach Shada, so or Shada perhaps, uh, and he's really the one that gets you know he has the interactions with with Ed Asner's Granny Goodness, and he's sort of the one working through this sort of existential pain that uh, that that is living on apocalypse as 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 we see in the flashbacks, but uh, he uh, he's mostly just. Uh, there to kind of talk Barda down and uh, and kind of throw out. Uh, he does get his his big his big quip of the episode, which is when someone asks him what now, and he confidently replies, "Now we make miracles." And it's pretty it's pretty cheesy, but it is uh, you know the mu- with the music swelling and everything. I I I I, I still enjoyed that. So I think I think he does a good job. Although again, I don't I don't think a ton was asked of him as far as like uh, you know deep uh, emotional range or anything yeah i i think uh, honestly i felt like the the moments where he was called to be a little bit cliched and like deliver some of those superhero-esque taglines were a little bit silly i actually thought the reveal that he has escaped the water death trap uh, as barda and and uh, flash and calabac are sort of dropping uh seemingly to their doom before she lands on the the uh, the mr miracle foot pads uh only to look over and see mr miracle casually just leaning in in this cavernous area uh i, I thought that that moment was a little bit more effective use of his his voice acting than some of those more higher emotion uh, emotional parts. So, um, yeah, I think it's fine. Uh, the human being uh, as an actor isn't isn't also if you if you follow any of the uh, the the drama surrounding him and his soon to be ex wife and all of that. Uh, there's been a lot of in the tabloids recently about him not maybe not being a great person. So, uh, even if you separate the actor from the actions and I think look at the performance here it's not bad um I think that the, some of the downbeats however were the areas where he his performance uh, seemed to shine a little bit better for me than than maybe some of the higher action points so uh I I I uh, I, I don't hate the don't hate the performance but uh there wasn't anything that necessarily stood out uh on on some of those uh those those larger larger scenes Absolutely. And then, of course, we have our, our pair of uh, main original leaguers in the episode. Briefly, we have Carl Lumbly as Martian Manhunter. And then, of course, we have Michael Rosenbaum as The Flash. As mentioned, this is uh, Michael Rosenbaum's first episode of Justice League Unlimited that he got to uh, provide the voice of The Flash. Was it a Smallville thing? Like, there was, con- we never really found out the reason why, right? Why? Yeah. Like, there's, I want to say there's a, there's a commentary track. Um, Maybe for the return on the uh, on the DVDs, where Bruce Tim kind of makes an offhanded mention that that's one of the Flash's only appearances this season is him, you know, showing up for five seconds and then getting beat up by uh, Amazo or whatever. So I want to say like they kind of referenced it, but I don't know if they ever specifically said if it, if, if it was a scheduling thing or if it was just they they didn't write any stories for him in that in those first thirteen episodes or what. But yeah, you see. 
kind of all six of the other original leaguers in in action quite a few times across those 13 episodes so it is a bit a bit strange that we didn't uh that we didn't see uh flash in there as well so yeah the the perhaps a smallville scheduling thing makes makes as much sense as anything yeah but uh boy does he come back with a uh with a vengeance here as we get uh, some some great one-liners so we say so we get humor right off the bat i love the pan as he's sort of sitting there talking to uh to the elongated man to jeremy jeremy pivens and elongated man and uh you know he's complaining about how he's not taken seriously and then of course as you pan back they're playing they're playing rock'em sock'em robots and uh that's the punchline of the joke so uh he delivers that line in, in classic michael rosenbaum deadpan sort of jokey fashion um he gets a couple of uh, additional one-liner attempts as he's uh as he's freeing Calabac and then uh as he as he kind of uh makes the uh, helps the team makes the make the escape from the x-pit um and then as we mentioned before the the final interaction between him and Carl Lumbly's uh, uh, uh Martian Manhunter really I think uh, seals the deal and kind of gives you that the warm and fuzzies and uh it's it's nice I Again, since we jump around with Justice League Unlimited, it's not like we've missed him terribly from the from the episodes that we've covered. But I remember at the time getting the warm and fuzzies and like, oh, finally, we get some Michael Rosenbaum's flashback. Uh, so it, it, at the time, it was nice to have him him back on the back in the in the uh, the fold, so to speak here. So, uh, yeah, solid performance all the way around. I didn't think that there was anything, uh, unfortunately, with the material that let him kind of stand out to much but uh some some great flash work there in, in the pieces that he was given so um uh, for voice acting for this week i ended up settling on a, a pretty strong eight out of ten what about you yeah i went one point higher i went nine out of ten for my voice acting score um yeah i think i think everybody like i said i, I don't think you and gruffit as as mr miracle is the, turns in a, a great performance again maybe Maybe again, because those big emotional beats of the episode are, are covered more in the flashbacks for him. But uh, but everyone else, I think, again, uh, Farrah Fork is as as Barda and, and as Ed Asner as Granny. And of course, Michael Rosenbaum as the Flash. Uh, just just thought everybody else was pretty much firing on on all cylinders this week. There we go. All right, Liam. Well, that would begin to uh, to wrap things up here. So let's total our scores up. Totaling everything up, I end up with a 27 out of 40 for this week. What about you? Yeah, and uh, based on the the only one category where we had a difference this week, I have a final score of just one point higher. I have a 28 out of 40 for my uh, score here. All right, rewatchability here. So we we consider the context, not a long play here for the Justice League uh, mm-hmm. Unlimited because this is season two. We're getting ready to ramp things up at this point uh, in the series for the, the Cadmus story arc. So this has no Cadmus connections. We do get a little bit of what has happened after, uh, after Darkseid has seemingly disappeared and died. So we get a little bit of follow-up what's happening on Apocalypse. So that threads for that, obviously get 
picked up later on and have even played out all the way up through and including uh, the recent Justice League tie-in comics. So I would say it's kind of important for that reason because it does bridge some of that you learn about of the goings-on there. Uh, but I guess the argument could, could be made here that uh, you could kind of fill in those gaps otherwise. So maybe maybe just a one thumb up on this one, I, I give it a one thumb up for rewatchability. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think there's, yeah, there's definitely a lot of fun to be had here. It's fun to see the flashback. It's fun to see uh, more of these Kirby characters worked into the show. And as you mentioned, they do, they do, you know, the, the apocalypse civil war is touched on again in future episodes, um, albeit briefly. So yeah, I, th- I think we can get one thumb up uh, out of that. Here we go. All right, Liam. Well, that will begin to wrap us up for this week. Thank you, everybody, for checking out this week's edition of The Flash Month here on the DCAU Review. Don't forget, support us if you can. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. If that app lets you leave a review, like on uh, on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, uh, leave us a five-star review. If you if you leave a leave a little blurb on Apple Podcasts, that helps us potentially work our way into the, uh, the, the Discover page, uh, which gets more people listening to the podcast. So if you think about it this week, you have a few minutes, uh, leave a little review for us on Apple Podcasts if that's where you choose to listen to us. If you listen to us on Spotify, don't forget you can check out some exclusive questions that we have posted there. You can interact with those a poll each week and then uh, the question that we ask our listeners. Uh, Additionally, you can uh, subscribe to us on a lot of other podcast apps. So if uh, you listen someplace else, make sure you hit that subscribe button. As we said at the top of the program, you can also uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, head over to youtube.com slash the pod tower, like our videos each week when we post them there, that helps us uh, if you do consume media that way. And even if you don't consume media that way, subscribing to the channel and liking our videos also helps us out so if you think about it give those videos a like and that uh, youtube.com slash the pod tower it helps us and our friends uh, that also put out some great dcau content uh, liam you can also support the pod if you wish to by heading over to dcaureview.com and clicking on our shop tab you can uh, pick up a piece of merch if you want to support the pod that way there's also a link at the bottom of each episode through our anchor site that you can donate to us directly if you so choose to we thank you for those that uh, our listeners that do choose to support us that way it helps us out a lot another free way to support us check out dcau review on both twitter and Instagram. Uh, we do do some great stuff on Twitter. It gives us the opportunity if you want to talk to us, chat us, share your thoughts about each week, Flash, Flash Month, that Flash movie that may or may not ever end up coming to theaters, uh, the state of, of DC Comics amidst the, the Discovery HBO merger, all of uh, seems like there's some news dropping each and every day when it comes to that stuff. So uh, we're keeping an eye on that and, and joining in the conversation. So uh, feel free to head over to, to, to Twitter and uh, at DCAU Review if you want to interact with us there. Liam, we have one final week here of Flash Month. Believe it or not, the month of August is coming to an end. Uh, and uh, boy, we have something pretty exciting uh, and uh, and a way something that uh, we've been looking forward to for uh, quite a while now here when it comes to our review. But we're gonna we're gonna go out on Flash Month with a little bit of a bang, I'd say. Absolutely, of course. Uh, you know, if you're if you love the Flash, you and you're uh, a more recent fan of of modern uh, DC media, whether that's uh, 
whether that's the comic books themselves or, or perhaps the, the live action television show um, or, or the, 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 the Joss Whedon Justice League movie or the, the Zack Snyder Justice League movie, then you might be also a big fan of not only the Wally West incarnation of The Flash, but also, of course, the, the Silver Age Flash, that being Barry Allen. And uh, so we thought for the last week of Flash Month here, while uh, both Cal and I are definitely more uh, Wally fans at heart because of, uh, you know, where, who, who was the Flash when, uh, when we were growing up for sure. And, uh, but uh, well, we felt it was uh, important still with a, with a month devoted to the fastest man alive that Barry gets his due. So next week, it'll be an Elseworlds review uh, with a, a very popular and memorable uh, direct to DVD animated film and that being justice league the flashpoint paradox there we go yeah it's gonna be an exciting one uh a trip around the multiverse only seems fitting when it comes to the flash so uh, <laughs> we'll definitely be uh taking a, a long look at that one and a, 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 a linchpin certainly of the last decade or so when it comes to comic book storylines and as you mentioned has uh, seeped its way into other versions of the, the flash so we'll be talking about all of that and much more next week on uh, on that final week of flash month here at dcau and then uh, we'll be talking about what we'll be doing for the month of september which is going to be very exciting but until then i'm cal and i'm liam and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the dcau review bye bye